White Rocket Entertainment, podcast number 662. The White Rocket Babylon 5 Review Podcast is brought to you by people like you, our Patreon.com family. To join the ranks and help us keep the show going, visit www.b5review.com. That's www.b5review.com and click on the button to become a patron. It's the White Rocket Babylon 5 Review Podcast. Reviewing the entire Babylon 5 series, plus Crusade and everything else. Now here are your hosts, Van Allen Plexico and Andy Fix. And we are back. For some of you, back sooner than you were expecting. It is I, Van Allen Plexico, your host of the White Rocket Babylon 5 Review Podcast. And I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Andy Fix. Andy, are you there on the other end of the interstellar link? I am here, sir. And, by the way, kudos to you for being here. I know you're, you're not at the top of your game right now. You're fighting a bug. Not the shadows, but something equally insidious. <laughs> yes, I, I, I am still... Fighting a nasty cold, so if, if there's any coughing going on in the background that Van doesn't manage to edit out, I apologize to our <laughs> listeners. I'm not big and on my, you know, my voice about this is about two octaves higher than what it was yesterday. <laughs> yesterday it sounded like bare eight. <laughs> I'm not big Which on Which would have been cool th- for the podcast, probably. Well, that's true. That's true. We got a little bit of lag too. I'm not big on editing things out in the middle of the podcast, so hopefully we'll uh, we'll make it through without too much, but we'll see. Um, I just want you to feel better and get back uh, completely on your feet, because I know it's... Hasn't been fun the last couple of years to be sick, that's for sure. Uh, I think between the two of us, we've had COVID, what, right. five times? <laughs> I, I'm up to three now, so yeah. Five total. That's amazing. That's crazy. Well, we are here because we have at last reached Z minus nothing. We have arrived at... Much like John and Anna aboard the White Star, we have arrived at Zahadum, and Indeed. we've got yeah, and we've got things to talk about. I, all right, couple of couple of quick housekeeping things here. We are going to do kind of like we did with War Without End, although we stumbled on that formula by accident. Right, you you were off on assignment that week. <laughs> yeah. And so I had to come up with something on the fly, and I said, you know, we I had tons of notes we didn't even get to, and the the patrons have have, have posted all kinds of quotes and, and questions and comments. I said, I'm just going to spend like an hour going through that. And people really liked it. And they were all, you know, there were mm-hmm. two comments. That there were really two comments people said. One was, I really like that. And two was, do it again, but with Andy. Of course, right? So that's <laughs> what we're going to do. You and I will go through and have a conversation about a whole bunch. Because if you thought I had a lot of notes for War Without End, oh my goodness, my friend, I have like 12 pages of notes for this one episode. Well, I can imagine. I mean, yeah. as much as you had for the subpar episode that War Without End was... <laughs> You're going to obviously have a lot more for this one. See, when Andy says, says stuff like that, I can only assume that he's... Smoke weed every day. That's what I figure must be going on in your house, man. That's all. That's what I assume. So, uh, But anyway, yeah. The uh, So I have a lot of notes. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the episode in our general conversation terms that we usually start every episode with. 
and we're going to do the categories that we always do tonight. And any other immediate things, we have several other things we want to kind of get in. And that'll pretty much be a normal hour-long episode. I, I'm just going to go ahead and guess now. And then what we're going to do is we're going to save a bunch of those notes and, and patron listener comments and questions for next episode where we're going to do just that. Kind of a season three wrap-up, listener questions and comments, pa- patrons' comments, and, and notes. A whole crap ton of notes. Probably be a longer episode than this one, honestly. So... You had a couple of right, and, and yeah, when you when you say, use normal hour long episode, you do realize that our normal hour long episodes tend to be about an hour and a half long, right? I I do I do realize that I've been made <laughs> quite well aware of that by everybody. Yes, but I figure we give the we give the customers the uh, the best value that we can. So, um, did uh, I do have one thing to bring up? Yeah, the one thing that I want to bring up is uh, uh the. The guy that I watched Babylon 5 with a lot back in the 90s when this was first airing, and then we, we swapped tapes and stuff like that whenever we were to watch it before the DVDs came out. Um, and the guy that I sat around and, and talked about the show a lot with, almost as much as I sit around and talked to you about it with, was a gentleman by the name of Dr. Paul Frazier. And he passed away 10 years ago yesterday. Mm. So I just want to give a shout out to my buddy, uh, Dr. Paul, and, and let him know that I'm still thinking of him uh, pretty much every day. So. Um, yeah, he was my first Babylon Five buddy. So, thanks, Doctor Paul. That's, yeah. Well, it's 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 a it's it's tragic, it's sad, and, and all that. But B, it's really awesome that you remember him and commemorate him and kind of keep the memory alive and everything. That's really cool. So I appreciate you doing that. I'm glad that you did. Um, the thanks. other thing that we need to get to before we even broach the subject of Zahadum is that JMS did a thing last week that made all of us do a thing or two. So he did. How would you describe that for our listeners that don't know? I'm sure they all know, but I I, I think the best way to, to to describe it was it was a call to arms. He yeah. he rallied the troops. He got uh, through Twitter. He got everybody to uh, uh, hit a specific hashtag. Um, I, what was the what was the hashtag? I'll watch B five again or something like that. B five on <laughs> I'd CW watch B five on CW twenty three. Right. Right, so he got uh, he asked uh, the, his loyal fans to ret- retweet that hashtag in order to get the attention of the, the executives at Warner's mm-hmm. to uh, to kind of nudge them a certain way to, towards uh, doing the pilot. Um, and apparently, I don't know if it worked as far as getting their attention, but it got uh, Twitter's attention because it, mm-hmm. that hashtag was uh, uh, trending at number one for quite a while. So during the it, Queen's we, we, funeral. We, responded during his funeral which was pretty spectacular yeah i mean so yeah that was pretty cool for anything to break in during that and kind of command the market the airwaves is pretty remarkable and to go to number one is really remarkable so yeah i certainly did my part i was tweeting it i was posting on facebook and everything yeah i i I tweeted it and uh did the facebook post as well yeah so we'll see if anything comes of it i mean it's one of those things where, on the one hand, do they really care, you know, if social media does something and or people write letters or whatever? You always, it all kind of goes back to, to the first season of Star Trek when they had the letter writing campaign to save Star Trek. The first, I guess, the first time they saved it was after season two, maybe, and then they did it again right. in season three, but it didn't work the second time, something like that. Yeah. Um, right. But um, so we'll see what comes of that, and that's cool. 
Uh, but it is about getting the show on the CW, and that certainly is also controversial. I, the, the way I am kind of see it break down is it looks like about 70% of Babylon 5 fans are really, really excited about the prospect, and about 30% are just relentlessly cynical or just are not interested. And, and they, they, they don't seem... I, I keep trying to explain it to them in a, in a helpful, friendly way. I'm not belittling them, you know, whatever. But I'm like... They're like, you know, they're, they're almost invariably like, why do it again? Why would you make another one? The other one's fine. I'm like, well, the other one's fine to us because we watched it in 1995, 96, 97, whatever. But my daughter's 14. She's intrigued by the idea, but there's no way she's going to sit through, you know, a show done on a video toaster in 1994. It just, it needs to be contemporary. And honestly, every time I watch The Expanse or something like that, I think, man, how different. And how cool Babylon 5 could be with the current style, right? Because, I mean, and, and nothing says that to me more than the, the episode that we just watched for this episode of our podcast. The Babylon 5 of the 90s, imagine that there's a chance that soon we'll be talking about the original Babylon 5 versus the new Babylon 5. I, that's going to be crazy, right? But right. the Babylon 5 that we've all seen, the one that actually exists currently, right? It has a very kind of stagey, operatic presence, right? Everything is kind of like, I'm John Sheridan, blah, you know, and it, that's the way shows were done like that. In the 90s, they were bold and out, you know, loud and everything. And shows now along those lines are much more subdued. You know what I mean? They're instead yeah. of instead of like Sheridan walking up to a big brightly lit screen and punching in something where it says video and link and whatever and he punches it in and he goes uh, Michael I need you to come to my quarter you know that's not the way shows are anymore it would be much more like right. a handheld camera a dark hallway you just see some little numbers on the screen he and then he'd be like yeah Michael come to my quarters now everything is so much more subdued and I'm not saying it's better. I love the big, brassy space opera. I love it. But, I mean, you know, comic right. books are the same way. Think about comics from, like, the 70s and 80s, the Bronze Age, compared to comics now that are much more cinematic, but also much more, like, trying to be like a movie or TV show instead of, like, da-da, you know, super. It's just a different right. way of telling the same kind of story. And I have to admit, I'm extremely intrigued by the prospect of seeing Babylon 5 done in the modern 2022-2023 way of doing a TV show. Right. And today's TV shows are much more... The pacing's completely different. Completely we were, different. I, I had the same thought you did while I was watching this episode. Because mm -hmm. the pacing from when, when they started... To when they ended, so much happened. Yes, the scene from them traveling from Babylon was like a three-second scene, you know. And if this were a, a plot line on the Expanse, that this episode would have taken up a whole season, you know. It would mm -hmm. they would have dribbled dribbled it throughout the entire season, yep. like they did with all their plot lines on the Expanse. Love them, but <laughs> it, it would be handled completely differently. With the the storytelling would be completely different. And not yeah. saying that one is better than the other or worse than the other, but yeah, it, it is. It's definitely the contemporary storytelling is is completely different from what it was back in the nineties. I mean, you can yeah. tell that just by the Star Trek shows that are on. Yes. No. Yeah. I mean, uh, c compare the Star Trek shows that are on now to the ones that were you know on in the nineties. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I want to I want to reiterate what you just said again to make sure I'm clear. I'm not saying that 
one is better or worse, and I'm not making fun of either one. They both have their place right. and their time. I'm just saying I'm intrigued by what it would be like to see a beloved 1990s show done in 2020 style. I just think it would be like, again, the, the example I always give is there instead of a really, I mean, we, we love Christopher Frankie's music. We love the theme songs. I, I, I adore them. I can't, I, you know, it's some of the most played tracks on my iTunes collection are, are Babylon five tracks by, yep. by far. Okay. I've got, I've got episodic CDs. I've got all the season CDs, all that. I've got all that. I love them. But I also have to admit that I would love to see a Babylon 5 where there's no theme music at all, right? It just starts. Right. And while the characters are doing stuff, down at the bottom in little small letters would be like Babylon 5. So-and-so as John Sheridan. Right. So-and-so as John. And it, it would, you know what I mean? That's right. the way they do it now. That, yeah. In fact, there may even be a way they do it now that's even different from that. Maybe I'm 10 years behind. I don't know. <laughs> but I would love to see it. I would love to see it, Andy. I really would. Um, all right. So, uh, we are to 322. Man, I can't believe I'm saying that. Well, we are dragging it out, right? Because we're doing three. That's what I was going to say. We're doing 322 Zahadoom tonight. Our next episode will be you and I going through the notes, discussing all the stuff that went into it, answering patron questions and feedback and so forth. That'll be an episode, and then the next one after that will be season four, episode one, The Hour of the Wolf. Wolf. That's crazy. So here we are. It just seems like Smiling Johnny came on board. I know. It's true. (laughs) Gosh. So, 322, Zaha Doom. Again, do you want to kick off or defer the second half? Well, there is no second half, so do you want to... No, I can... No, yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. Yes, I can handle this one. This is a pretty straightforward uh, yeah. plot synopsis. Uh, um, of course, Anna Sheridan showed up in the end of last episode. So this episode is uh, John, Captain Sheridan, dealing with uh, Anna's return, Anna's return, and she wants to take him to Zahadoom, um, and he decides to go back there for reasons, and then things happen. There you go. Not a lot of B or C plots in this episode other than stuff that's just directly adjacent to the A plot. And right, as, right. As, yeah, there, I, 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 go ahead. I'm sorry. We're having a little bit of a lag. It's not, <laughs> as I always say when this happens, it's not either one of us trying to be rude. We're just, when, when one of us speaks, the other one doesn't know the other one is speaking yet. It comes to us later. No, I was, I was just going to say that, um, that as you just said, there's so much that happens in this episode that, it would have taken multiple episodes in a, in a show today. And here's the thing. I watched a good chunk of it and had to pause it for like a day. And I came back to it this afternoon to watch this, like the last 20 minutes or whatever. And what astonished me, they hadn't even left for Zahadoom yet. All the stuff that happens on Zahadoom right. is like 15 minutes. I, I mean, in my memory, and I've seen this episode numerous times, obviously, in my memory, they were on Zaha Doom like an hour and a half, you know, it seemed like. And they're, right. in, they're in like kabang, 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 bada bing, bada bing, man. This could have easily been a two-part episode mm-hmm. with uh, um, with no padding. Just just by filling out some of the scenes with legit drama, this could have easily been a two-part episode. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, all you'd need is a little more Londo, a little more Delin than you've already got. A little more Jakar than you've already got, but 
you got yep. little tiny bits of each of them. Yep. And then a little more Susan and Corwin. And and you yep. end the first episode with them getting on the White Star and leaving for Zahadoom. And part two yep. picks up with them on the way. Right? Right. A whole episode of, yep. of just of Anna trying to get him to go. Easily. Yep. And yeah. again, that's not that is not a criticism of this episode. I, oh, I think no. Straczynski and I believe who directed it did a fantastic job with with the material. Oh yeah, yeah. Again, we're what you and I do is just speculate about things and comment on things. We're not criticizing it. We're not saying negative. I love. Well, we'll we'll see how much we love this episode. We're, we're going to find that out for sure. All right. A couple of quick notes about that. Um, the episode's title was originally kept under wraps by JMS. He didn't tell anybody. But he announced it at the San Diego Comic-Con on July 6, 1996. Now, here's what happened. This is, there are a few notes that I'm going to get into tonight, just not the main bulk of the show. It's the story itself, just some peripheral stuff maybe. But what happened was he was not going to give out the title because he didn't want to spoil anything. And that was because he was under the impression that it would air the same time in Britain and in the U.S. But as you and I have discussed for the last several episodes of our show, Babylon 5 was airing like at least a full month ahead in Britain from when it was airing in the U.S., which I, doesn't make any sense to me. I don't know why that was. I still don't know why that was. But it was airing like four or five weeks earlier in Britain. And you and I talked last time about how you couldn't do that today. You, you just couldn't get away with that today. Right. They could do it back then by the hardest. The internet was relatively new. Right. But what happened I will was... Spec oh, I, let, let me speculate on something real quick. Yeah. I will speculate that JMS did the Twitter thing that he did during the Queen's funeral to get back at the Brits... For getting to see the the episodes a month early, just like speculation it. on my part. I have no inside information. <laughs> I like it. I like it. So, what happened then was when he found out that it was going to air in Britain September twenty second of ninety six, and it didn't air in the U S. until October twenty eighth. I think it's kind of fitting that this episode aired the first time three days before Halloween. That works for yeah. me. This is a Halloweeny. Yeah. This is a Halloweeny kind of any episode that's got the shadows, Morden, Justin, Londo, Shadow Agent. Oh, not to mention creepy zombie Anna Sheridan. Oh yeah. That was a perfect Halloween episode, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um so when he found out it was gonna air in the UK like five weeks before the US, he said screw it, and he gave out the title in July at San Diego Comic Con. And somebody asked him, you know, why did you spoil it? And he's like, because it was going to get spoiled anyway. I figured I might as well go ahead and let the American audience know. So, um, right. so yeah, that's when it aired, U.S. and the U.K. and then the U.S. I wish I got to find out. Written by JMS. I'm going to keep saying that for a whole other season plus. And by the way, in the show notes, which we'll talk about next time, it's there is funny. At the time he wrote this episode, he was saying how. You know, this had never been done before that one writer had written an entire full season of a TV show in the United States. Blake Seven, kind of, but a lot fewer episodes than it was in Britain. But he, this was the right. first time an American writer had written 20, 22 straight episodes, not counting season two, okay? And he says, yep. now I know why you shouldn't do it, because it nearly killed him. <laughs> but he said, 
that's the way it is with this show. We we don't know any better, so we just do things and then find out later that we shouldn't have, you know, after we've already that we find out later that it can't be done after we've already done it, you know. Right. Which which I like. It's the I Babylon like. five way. Yeah. And and here's the irony of that. He's saying like, Oh, I did this, it was horrible, I'm never gonna do it again and then he turns around and does it again. <laughs> right. This the following season. Yes. <laughs> I think his run goes from late in season two to late in till I think the the second from last episode of season four, Harlan Ellison gets a co-writing credit on it, and that's where it ends. But even then, he wrote most of it. Right. You you probably have to go on into season five, where I think Neil Gaiman pops up, where it really comes to a complete end. Yep. So, uh, directed by Adam Nimoy, I guess that's uh, Leonard's son who directed quite a few and is definitely yeah i mean if for nothing else this episode puts him on the mount rushmore of right directors no he's whenever his name comes up it's always a very deftly yeah. directed episode yeah he knows his way around for sure yeah. kind of like ron howard I imagine kind of grew up around the business and knows his way around a camera and around a set no doubt about it notable guest stars well duh melissa gilbert as anna let me pause here andy I want your reaction to Melissa Gilbert as Anna. Was that was having Bruce's actual wife and a very known celebrity actor play Anna Sheridan, was that a net positive or a net negative for you? In other words, was it good or did it distract? I thought it was a net positive. I really enjoyed it um, th- because they had natural chemistry. Yeah. Um, it, it, so it, it, it really added some impact to the scenes where, you know, he's, he's, um, struggling with, is this the real Anna or not? Also added impact to the scenes between, uh, Sheridan and Delent because you could see how torn up he was there too. And of course yeah. the, the little, the little cat fight at the very beginning with, uh, Cher- Anna and, and Delent was kind of, uh, spicy. Yeah, that was interesting. And it saved them the trouble of having to Photoshop wedding pictures. <laughs> right? Right? I noticed that. <laughs> they use their actual wedding pictures, yeah. Yep. From when John Sheridan and Anna Sheridan first met on Battle of the Network Stars. <laughs> Battle of the Earth Alliance Stars. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, we had our boy Ed, Ed Wasser back as Morden. Always good to have Morden. I, I think Babylon 5 is much better with Morden lurking around than without him. I agree. I agree. Yeah. And I, I mentioned to uh, uh, Connie that you always call him evil Rod Serling, and yes. she said he looked more like, uh, who was it, the, the magician guy. I forget now. He oh. looks like some magician. Okay. I'm not up on... He, I, su- su- super famous magician made the Statue of Liberty disappear, I guess, or oh, something Oh, David like that. Copperfield? Yeah, she says he looks like evil David Copperfield. I guess evil David Copperfield. Doesn't look like David <laughs> Copperfield, but I guess he could be evil David Copperfield. Yeah, but I thought he was particularly sinister in this episode. Mm-hmm. He's just kind of like lurking in the background. See, that's the thing. That was one of the things I loved about this episode is that when Sheridan goes in there, Anna and Justin are like, hey, how you doing, brother? Come on in. It's all good. It's all good here. And then lurking in the background like the turd in the punch bowl is, is <laughs> Morden. And you're like, I'm just sitting here thinking, how stupid are the shadows? You're trying to persuade Sheridan that you're the good guys, and you got the one guy he knows is a villain right. <laughs> lurking villainously right in the background. And, it's like, and, I mean, you got to be kidding. The, act, 
yeah, the actor Ed Ed Wasser, Ed Wasser, the intensity in his just in his oh, eyes, so good. And he he, it's not like you know Ari Benzane intensity. No. <laughs> you know that, that that that's a whole different direction. But but Ed Wasser's intensity is 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 really uh, it's subtle, but it's it's mm. intense. I was thinking about that. I think that in the previous episodes, he was, you know, I, I imagine he was directed either by JMS's script or by the director or both. You're the affable salesman, right? You're trying to sell a product, so you're sinister, but you don't want to come across completely that way. Whereas right. on this episode, I think they just took him off the leash and said, you're freaking Mr. Morden, man. You're the mouth of Sauron. Yep. Go. Come, that's what he is. Yep, He's the mouth I of Sauron. Just go. Right. Just do do your evil thing. Because he while he is still trying to be a salesman in this episode, he he's he knows he's not gonna pull him in the, with the what do you want thing. Right. It, there was there was no more what do you want, I can provide it. It was much more let us tell you our side of this and see if we can persuade you, which is a different sales job. To, you know what I mean? Absolutely. To a certain degree, it's a it's yep. a it's a different task, and yep. so he was kind of off the off the hook of of being able to you know he was freed up in a yep. lot of ways. So okay, and then that was Jeff Corey as Justin. It's funny because I've watched a lot of older shows on things like Paramount Plus the last couple of years, and Jeff Corey pops up as a younger guy in a lot of those shows. He was one of those Hollywood, <laughs> you know, he's the cowboy. Or yeah. he's the he's the the ranch owner, you know, or he's the sheriff or the bartender, you know. He pops up in a yeah. lot of he's in Perry Mason as like a rich guy, you know, or something. And he so is every a time veteran I see, character actor, yeah, yeah. But when I first saw this, I didn't recognize him. I did, I hadn't really seen a lot of those shows. And so now when I see him, I'm like, it's Justin. Oh no! Don't listen to him, <laughs> Perry. No, <laughs> he's just trying to suck you in. <laughs> oh no! Um, all right, so let's see. Uh, just uh, let me. <laughs> I have three pages of unanswered questions. Again, we'll do that next time. We are not doing that tonight. But I do have three freaking single space pages of unanswered questions. Not just show notes, but unanswered questions. Then it gets into the show notes and the J. Okay, you know I always have like a few JMS said. I have one, yeah. two, three, four, four and a half pages of JMS said. So we have quite a bit to cover next time. Right. I, I'm not even going to have to. Do, I'm just going to be here to say <laughs> yes and no and, and chuckle at your jokes. I'll, I'll be like the, the Ed Sullivan. Or not Ed Sullivan, but uh, who is Johnny, Johnny Carson sidekick. Oh, no. Well, we'll see how this goes. We might want to delve into a few of them just to get them out of the way so that the, it, like, you know, this episode may go an hour and a half. The next one may go three hours. So let's, <laughs> we got to be careful here. All right. Um, yeah, I had my little note here. It was amazing to me how brief the whole Zaha Doom segment was, though. I just can't get past that. I can't get over how yeah. brief that was. And like you said, it would never be that brief today. It would go on for no. two or three episodes, just that one scene. Right. I mean, yeah. just it, it, in the expanse, you know, a, a character has to go to the bathroom and they, you know, they get out of the bathroom three episodes later. So, that's I mean, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> that's absolutely true. Um, all right. It's taking me like actual show time here just to scroll from one section to another of my notes. <laughs> um, I am going to hit 
I, all right, this part I'm going to go ahead and get out of the way. These are just like the background notes that, that I kind of compiled for like what's going on in this episode. We might as well get through that one because that definitely fits in tonight. And then we'll save all the other. We'll save the JMS speaks and the unanswered questions for next time and along with the patron comments. All right, so what, here's what we know. A million years ago, there were many immensely powerful species roaming the galaxy, but most of them left for greener pastures, leaving the Vorlons and the shadows behind. The shadows claim they and the Vorlons are shepherds guiding younger races through the evolutionary process. The shadows are very big on evolution, by the way. You evolve. It makes you stronger. You fight. You know, one side wins, one side loses. It's like the Mutai. The Mutai is a sh- oh, Andy. Oh, I think we're on. Oh, we're on to something. Oh, don't yeah. say it, man. That's gonna that's gonna just blow my mind. <laughs> I think that I think the shadows set up the Mutai. <laughs> Two aliens enter. One alien leave. No way. Yes. The Mutai is a shadow contract. I love it. I love it. You Um, just redeemed that that whole episode. There we go. Oh, it would be so much. I I, I hope JMS redoes the Mutai episode just to make it better. Just to give (laughs) us something. Oh, then I kind of don't want him to either. Yeah. Uh, Okay, so the shadows claim that... uh, the shadows claim that by enlisting the help of the Minbari and others against the shadows, and by manipulating the younger races genetically with telep- telepathy and stuff, the Vorlons haven't been playing by the rules. And if there's, you know, if there's any race in the galaxy you can trust to say somebody else is not playing by the rules, it's the shadows. Okay, You're right. Yeah. Uh, the shadows claim the Vorlons' genetic tinkering is responsible for the sudden appearance of telepathy in humans. And that they, the shadows, got involved with Psychor to try to minimize the threat to themselves. That that is true, right? That the Vorlons created telepaths, the shadows created the Psychor. Right. That's interesting. I like that. Yeah. Um, the shadows' own name for themselves is ten thousand letters long, and we know that Anna Sheridan has tried to pronounce it and cannot. I guess she set aside a week for that. <laughs> ten thousand letters. Well, I, I, I think the shadows speak much faster, so that they have a higher frequency. So it 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 comes. That's when they're screeching. That's really regular words, just all compacted. Yeah, you just did War and Peace right there. <laughs> here's here here's what you get in the conversation between the elder races. What did you say? <laughs> Thank you for reciting War and Peace to me, Shadow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Zaha Doom, according to Delin, is the Shadow's home world. I think we kind of know that. And lastly, the Shadows badly want to have John Sheridan on their side. By the way, I would note, this puts Sheridan in the Flash Gordon role that I may have mentioned last time, right? The Flash Gordon trope is outsider is able to unite the various factions against the big enemy. That's the Flash right. Gordon trope. And yep. and he's done it. He has succeeded in uniting the various races into the Army of Light, and that's just totally against the shadows and their whole, you bring them together, they fight, one side wins, one side loses, the Mutai. And so past experience has shown that killing the Nexus, they call him the Nexus, right? When you tur- it, it, when the Nexus turns, the rest of the galaxy tends to turn with it. And pra- past experience has shown that killing the Nexus just causes someone else to step up and take his place. Which, right. by the way, spoiler space, but there is an episode coming up much later on in the series 
that touches on JMS's ideas along this line of how significant is the individual in history versus great historical forces in general. You know, did you have to have Hitler or if Hitler had been murdered as a baby, would there have been some other really anti-Semitic homicidal maniac that would have taken over and created Nazi Germany? You know, that's it's an interesting question, and and it's one that JMS likes to bring up. So we'll see it again right. in a good way. Okay, all right. Skipping down, skipping down, skipping down, skipping down. Did you have any thoughts, by the way, about this episode in general while we're just discussing it before we get in the categories that we haven't already? No, covered? the only thing. The the only thing that that came to mind was was the pacing of it and how yeah. how different it was from from today's. But we've already gone over that. Yeah, no doubt. That's that's so true. That's so true. Okay, so what was your high point of this episode? High point for me was when uh, Sheridan was talking to when Dylan was watching that message from Sheridan, and he mm. gets to the point where he says, "What I want is to stay alive and to be with you," <sighs> and then he finishes finishes that conversation up with "I love you," which. Mm. With what Delenn had been through in this episode, she needed that, and I thought that was super cool. I, I thought it was a, a, a great moment for the two of them. You know what you've just reminded me of, though? That I, This is another thing. I, I When I was typing up these 12 pages of notes, I didn't put my own thoughts. I just was looking for stuff around um, and adding my own thoughts. But this I thought of completely independently, which is watching this episode, and particularly the second half of it, again, I had forgotten... Not just how brief Sheridan's time on Zahadum is, it's really only like three or four scenes. Mm-hmm. But also, if, you had, if you'd asked me a week ago how many scenes are there on Zahadum, I'd have said 12, 15. Right. It's like, it's like, it's like three. <laughs> right. Right? There's they, they come down the hall to go in the room, and then there's them in the room with Morden and Justin, yep. and then there's the balcony. Right, they cut out the whole fight and escape scene. I mean, yeah. that could have been two or three different scenes alone. <laughs> I mean, one and one scene he pulls out his gun, the next scene he's all bloody and beat up and, you know, halfway halfway, you know, through the city. Well, and that's that's kind of a JMS thing though, right? He does tend to skip over the stuff that we know is happening or is going to happen. So that right. didn't surprise me as much, but it's true though that like like you said, in a, in a more contemporary show, that would have pe- taken a whole episode or something. Him running around right. and finding some prisoner who helped him escape and get to the balcony. Right. And, you know, there would have been a whole rigmarole there. But but I don't yeah. think it needed it. I think it was perfectly, perfectly fine the way they chose to do it this time, this way. So I agreed 100%. So, um, but yeah, I had forgotten how much this episode cuts back and forth. Like you build up to the tension with Sheridan and then it just cuts to Susan and then it cuts to Garibaldi or Jakar. It cuts to Delenn and then it's back to Sheridan. There's a lot more cross cutting, bang, bang, bang in this episode than I remembered. Right. That surprised me. Uh, it really, this episode is one of those that is, it's deceptively complicated and complex. Cause when I think about this episode, not having watched it in a while, I think, okay. Anna and Sheridan fly to Zahadoom and there's a fight and he jumps off the balcony. That's what I think of for this episode. All the other stuff that's intermixed in it, I kind of forget. Yeah. I, um, I completely forgot about the, the, the drama right there at the beginning between yes. uh, Delenn and Sheridan. That, her, that was intense. Yeah. Oh, God. Let her go, John. You can talk to her later. Yeah. yeah. Oh. 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 Man. <laughs> so, 
you always tell us the the great stories about your wife watching and she's digging it and everything and I'm so insanely jealous and it makes me so sad because at the beginning of this episode I knew that you know that my wife Little House in the Prairie watcher my daughter loves Little House in the Prairie and I tried to get her but she was at school um I'm like you know, I asked my wife, just watch the beginning of this, watch the beginning of this. She watches like the first minute and a half and she gets up and I'm like, and she says, this is the one where he blows up half pint, right? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, yeah, he, he blows up half pint. And she's like, okay, I remember. And she leaves. So that was that. Oh, I'm so sorry. Hey, half pint needed blowing up. She did. She, she, cause half pint was gone. This yes. was a zombie half pint. She, she was she a half pint of zombie. You're correct. Right. <laughs> okay, I guess at some point I should answer the question. Uh, my high point <laughs> of this episode was the white star coming down through the dome and blowing faux Anna and the shadows straight to hell. Yeah, that, that was, was a was pretty classic, cool. classic Sheridan maneuver. Drop nukes on somebody, yep. man. When I think the, you know, when I think of what's the signature finishing move of sci-fi heroes. With John Sheridan, it's firing those nuclear warheads up, man. That is his signature yep. move, and I, I'm there for it. I love it. <laughs> I love it, love it, love it. Yeah. All right. I, let, me, let, me, let me go ahead and do the low point before you, because here, here's why. My low point was your high point. But I think we can— Oh, un- wow. I think it makes sense, though, right? Because you're seeing it right. as, as Delenn needed to him to tell her that he loves her and that, okay— but for me, that same thing was like, that was the coup de grace. That was just like dropping the elbow on the wrestler after you've pounded him into the ropes a few times. It was just like, right. here she is trying to rationalize and deal with what he's done. And then he's like, oh, and by the way, I love you, but I'll never see you again because I'm going to be dead because the shadows are about to eat me by. And she's like, ah. And that was like, yeah, that's my low point. <laughs> that's the lowest emotional point I can imagine. So so the reason I picked it for my high point was to counter the low point. And for right. me, the low point was when John confronts Delenn right after Anna comes back. Oh, Because yeah. he just eviscerates her. I mean, this, you're true. Just, this, you're right. Just pull, pulls her heart out, throws her on the ground, and stomps on, on the way out the door. I mean, Cause he's holy pushed. cow, that was, he is, and rightfully so. I don't yeah. blame him a bit for anything that he said in that room. Right. But Delenn is just, I mean, holy cow, that was hard to watch. Yeah, no, you're I right. I mean, that, that was really hard to watch. So, yeah, that that's why I picked the high point that I did, because it totally countered that low point. Yeah, no, that's true. He he came back around with it and said, you know, he, he basically was saying, I was mad at you, and I had reason to be mad at you, but that's not going to change the fact of how I feel about you now. Yeah, so that's true. Well, I think that, like I said, I think we both can justify putting it where we did, and it because it. Well, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a tribute. It's a, it's a compliment to the writing of that whole and the performance of that whole oh, bit. God, yes. That it was that yeah. broad of an emotional thing that you could see it in both ways, depending on how you looked at right. it. Right. Right. And and Absolutely. I'm gonna go ahead and say it now because I'm about to say it again in a minute. Bruce Boxleitner literally and figuratively killed. This episode, absolutely. He 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 brought the big guns and blew blew it away. He did a fantastic job in this episode. I I, I thought it was I thought it was I mean better than anything that that Jim Kirk could do. I I think this may have been Box Lightner's best performance so far. Easily, easily. There yeah. is one episode that comes later that trumps this one, but uh, 
This is definitely this is definitely just a, a tour de force. Yeah, I'm trying to think which one you're referring to, and I'm not sure. It, it is. Uh, I'll tell you right now. Oh. It's my favorite episode. Oh, intersections. Yep. Is that it? Yeah. Okay. All right. Not deconstruction. Intersection. No, intersections between light and dark. I was thinking intersections in real time. It, yeah, that's what I mean. Intersections in real time. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that, we, that's the one where, and I may have my titles confused, but that's the one where he's being uh, interrogated. Yes. All right. Yes. We'll leave it. That, that is my favorite Babylon Five episode, and, we, we, and that I thought he did a fantastic job. Interesting. All right. We we won't go any further than that because we have to we have to sound the, the spoiler space klaxon, but right. that's all right. Fair enough. That's not one of my favorite episodes at all, but but I certainly can appreciate it, and I can see what you're talking about for sure. Most Babylon Five scene. For me, it was uh, what you had just mentioned. It was the big boom there at the end when uh, the white star. I mean, it was like you said, it was perfect John Sheridan. Yes. Send him straight to hell type of moment. I mean, you had the white star, you had the nukes, you had mm. you know the the evil bad guy city getting blown to smithereens, and mm. I mean, it was uh, <coughs> excuse me, pretty pretty darn spectacular. Yeah. No. Absolutely. I think you're right. I I since I'd already used that scene, I thought that. I would go literal this time. The literal most Babylon 5 scene is when the shadow ships pop out and surround Babylon 5 and Susan's freaking out. And I'm wondering, is this the moment that Susan saw in the future in War Without End? Right, exactly. Because we know how that went. Right. And again, that's another, oh, oh, Andy. Again, if this had been a two-parter, it would have either ended with Anna and John getting on the White Star and flying away, or there would have been that, and then the shadow ships arrive, and yes. that's where you, boom, you break it right there. The shadow ships are all around yes. Babylon 5, break it right there. That would is have that, been awesome. That is exactly. That's how I would have done it, right? You'd have the, the, pre, the pre-credit scene, the credits, and then the various segments, and when you come back for the thing at the end, like the last three-minute segment after the last commercial break, John and Anna get on the ship. They go back to Susan. There they go. And then here come the shadows. Right. Break it right there. Oh, man. Goodness. <sighs> this is, see, this is why, this is, that's one of many reasons why I want to see a, a new version is because I want to see if he does stuff like that. Comes up with, you know, other ways of doing that, these, these stories. Oh, the shadow cat's back. Agent of Chaos is behind Andy, moving around. Do not press the button, cat. Do not press the button. Stay away. All right. So, yeah, I did that. So, favorite character moment this time? For me, my favorite character moment was, and I had one scratched out, and I put a different one in there, Mm. uh, was Sheridan with Garibaldi. That that scene when... He uh, he's talking yeah. with Garibaldi and he says, "If you trust me, because you know we have talked about the development of their friendship over the past two seasons, and this was the key moment where yep. Sheridan call you know calls in his his chips and says, look, if 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 we're friends, if you trust me, you'll do this for me.' And I thought that was a really cool moment between the two of them. And to his credit, uh, Garibaldi did what he was requested. Oh, that was such a great scene. I did have I had three, but that one definitely is one because. Everything about it, including I thought Gary, I thought that Jerry Doyle did a really good job there, because Jerry Doyle was basically his responsibility in that scene was be surprised, want to object, but don't let yourself object. Right. So Garibaldi goes through that entire scene 
like his mouth is half open, like he's about to say, what the bleep, 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 bleep. And he can't do it because Sheridan says, Michael, when we first met, you didn't know if you could trust me. I didn't know if I could trust you. We didn't really know each other. We've developed that relationship. We know who we are now. I need you to do this. Don't ask questions. Don't go snooping. Don't go investigating. Just do it. And Garib- yep. that just goes against every fiber of Garibaldi, right? That is just so exactly. not, Michael. Because so many times before when he was in that exact position, he did the Garibaldi thing, and this time he didn't. And mm-hmm. and uh, he conveyed all that in just a, a brief – it just went over his face just very briefly. But you could tell that he was processing all that. It was a very good acting job. And I love that Sheridan says, and if everything goes according to the way it should go – the next time we see each other, we'll talk about the weather. And then yeah. when they when they meet and Anna's there, he says, "Yeah, I heard that it's uh, the winter's late late winter on Earth and everything." And like, oh, okay. And I love Anna's kind of looking at him like, "What are they talking about?" And then she kind of shrugs, right. shrugs it <laughs> off. That I was like, see, that's one of those things where like the first couple of times you watch this episode, you're totally absorbed by their performance as you should be. But this yeah. time when they started saying that, I immediately looked at her. Yeah, right. I, I exactly. wanted to see. I did too. I wanted to see what Anna's reaction, and again, that's credit to the direction, and it's certainly credit to Melissa Gilbert. Yep. She was able to, oh, that reminds me. I don't have this on in the category, but I'm so glad I remembered that because I wanted to tell you this. I even took a picture of it on the screen. I paused the show and got up and got my phone and took a picture. When they get on the White Star, when John and Anna get on the White Star, and John sits down in the captain's seat, and she's standing next to him, and... And she's like, all right, next stop, Zahadoom, here we go. And he's like, yeah, yeah woohoo, smiling. And she's still smiling and looks at the looks ahead, right? Yeah, and he I stops exactly smiling. And he, he just, he's like, yep, you he know, just glares at her. He just looks at her like, <laughs> what the crap are you? And man, that is so, again, it's those little things that Bruce does in this episode. But he looks at her like, yeah, we're going to see. We'll yeah. see. Mm hmm. Oh man, it's, that it's, was cool. It, again, it's the little things in this episode as much as the big loud things that really are effective. Right, and that that could be true about the Babylon yeah. Five as a whole. It's yeah. always the quiet moments that carries the show. It's true. It's true. All right. So my favorite character moment. I agree with you about the Garibaldi and Sheridan scene. Thought that was when he asked him, "Don't ask questions." Um, I, I and I've already mentioned that I just had in terms of characters. I just thought that. Sheridan was awesome from start to finish in this episode. He's fantastic. But I also wanted to throw in, because again, there's so much crammed into this one little episode that it's hard to cover everything. With everything else going on, we almost forget we got a legendary Jakar voiceover again. Yes. It was the that end of the Earth That almost made my most Babylon 5 moment. 2260. Yeah. 2260. Yep. And the war had paused. Oh man! All around, yeah, that like almost the made my almost breath. made my Babylon Five moment. Oh, it's. I mean, it, it reminded me of the one at the end of season two when he did that. Right? Did he do that at the end of season one? I don't remember. No, I think it was. I think it was at the fall of night. I I'll have think, to go back and watch. Yeah, I. I guess I'll have to go back. Maybe and watch. it was. Wouldn't it be interesting one? if this whole? I don't know. There's so many. It wouldn't it be interesting if this whole if this whole series could be framed as Jakar narrating the book of Jakar. <laughs> well, spoiler, but we already know what the whole series is. But yeah, that would be another way of doing it. Right. 
Maybe again, right. maybe that could be how the new show is. Instead of the new show being what the original show was, it could be from the 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 Narn character's point of view with the book of Zakar. Yeah, that'd be cool. Um, did you have a funniest moment? Because I may have to I steal did. yours. Okay. <laughs> it wasn't a, a laugh out loud. It was uh, that kind of made me smile moment. And it goes back to that scene with uh, uh, Garibaldi and Sheridan when when uh, Garibaldi looks at the request. He goes, "Son of a bitch!" And <laughs> Sheridan says, "It's against regulations to address a senior officer in those terms, Mister Garibaldi." <laughs> <laughs> that's that's good. Yeah, I should have known that if there was a funny moment in this episode, it would have to be something involving Garibaldi. Yeah, um, right. I, it's it's always either Garibaldi or Ivanova, and Ivanova was stressed out this episode to be funny. She was a little, yeah. All right, I have an unanswered question that I have to broach here, and I'll probably forget and bring it up again next time, but it's because I want to talk about this whole scene for just a second. Since we have a little more time this episode, I'm trying to get thoughts in that I'm not going to sure. remember next time. Um, the whole scene with Londo and Veer sitting there having drinks in the, in the Zocalo or the bar or whatever, and Shadow Agent comes up. It's like, yeah. poor man's Morden. Poor man's Morden. Right. <laughs> Didn't you first think they couldn't get Ed Wasser? It's supposed. To be, it's like it's like Morden replacement because they couldn't get Ed Wasser for this episode. That was my first thought. So when we see Morden later, I'm like, oh, thank goodness. Good old Morty is here. I can relax, right? Yeah. But I got to tell you. Ed, Ed, oh, good. Morden was on the conference call, so, you know, his, his assistant had well, to step in and handle well, the, the message. It, it made sense, though, because if Morden had been there talking to Londo, then he wouldn't have been on Zahadoom talking to John. Or he'd had to, like, run back right. just ahead of him. Get, <laughs> get there almost the same time. So that that I got. I got that it couldn't be really Morden logistically. I got that. But um, especially since Morden is usually, he travels domestic travel rather than Shadow Express, right. you know. So yeah, he'd have been he, waiting he and waiting coach. for Where is he? How's he going to get a ride back to Zahadoom when he's... <laughs> Ra racing a white star and I, I think IPX are the only ones who even know how to get there but anyway right. stu stupid IPX um, but anyway um, I love that they're sitting there and Shadow Agent and the reason I keep calling him Shadow Agent he has a of course he does right of course he does he has a Babylon 5 collectible card of course he does <laughs> yeah got a shadow mark I think it's got like a Two intrigue or a three intrigue, you know, that's about all. Maybe one diplomacy. Um, but he's a neutral <laughs> character, I think, like Morden. Um, but, yeah, he's shadow agent. That's what he is. And here was my question, because in the unanswered questions, I'm going to go ahead and ask you this now. We can be thinking about it. We can address it again next time if you want to. Why was Mr. Morden and the shadows concerned with Londo at all? Didn't they cut each other loose? Just for old, just for old time's sake? I mean... I thought they got back together, didn't they? Well, Londo put it all didn't off on Rifa, and then he killed Rifa. So, right. I don't know. That's a good question. Maybe, maybe we missed something, or maybe I, mean, I don't know. We can think about it and address it next time. We we again very carefully tiptoeing around the landmines of spoiler space. We do know there's Centauri stuff coming up, right? And 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 the shadows are obviously not dead, just highly. You stepped on the ant hill, but you know that doesn't mean you poured gasoline all over it, and set it on fire. Although he kind of did, but um, but um, so we're not done with him, and Londo's still got things ahead of him, as we know from prophecy and everything, right? We know. Yep. So, but it just still, 
And we never did find out what happened to Londo in this episode. The shadow agent said, you need to leave. And Londo's like, yeah, whatever. And then that was it. So did he leave? Well, we'll see. Of course, in the end, he didn't actually have to. Right, because they didn't have to destroy the station. Right. But yeah. I wonder if he left. We don't know. Well, we'll find, maybe yeah. we'll find out in season four. Okay. Um, yeah, I didn't really have a funniest moment, but I agree with you. That was pretty cute. Uh, who won this episode, Andy? I'd say just by going off of this episode and not looking towards mm-hmm. the future at all, the Shadows won this episode. Ooh. Well, yeah. that's interesting since their city got blowed up. Their city got blowed up, but they got rid of Sheridan. Yeah, yeah. That was that was what they were trying to do. They took so, him off the board, but don't they think now that somebody else will just take his place? What they wanted was to convert him. True. And they, and they failed. True. But they didn't they didn't take Babylon Five off the board when they could have, so they must have felt comfortable. That's true. Because if if they didn't convert Sheridan, that they were gonna have to blow up Babylon Five to remove his support. Yeah. I I but, think I think this is one of the trickiest episodes overall to figure out who won it and who lost it. Well, yeah, I, I agree. I, I struggled to figure out because, <coughs> excuse me, yeah, there was real no big winners here. No, I said that maybe the winners really were the Vorlons. Yeah, <laughs> because the shadows took a blow and the Vorlons didn't. Yep. The the Vorlons lost Kosh, but the shadows lost their their city. Right. Um, and I guess Babylon 5, to a degree, won by not getting blown up. Right. So survival equals winning in Babylon 5 a lot of the time. So, yeah, yeah it's this is a tricky one. It's a tricky one. We'll, all right. Who lost this episode? I feel fairly confident about this one, but I'm curious what you think. Yeah, I would say the, the, the whole army of light lost. I mean, mm. specifically Delenn and yeah. uh, and uh, what's her name uh, Ivanova because she lost mm. I mean look at poor Ivanova you know she's she's without Sheridan now she assumes he's dead which she probably is she is without Garibaldi you know he got taken oh, by yeah. the shadows we didn't even talk about that yeah whatever, whatever so, happened to I mean, Mr. Garibaldi she is suddenly in charge of this whole freaking space station yeah you know, uh, with the political situation that's going on between Earth and Babylon Five, she doesn't want to get involved with all this. I mean, th- this is she. She just got you know left with a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah. No, you're and right. And lost lost two really good friends in in the you know her support staff. So that's true. Dang. Yeah. No, you're right. I I had that that Anna definitely lost. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Getting turned into vapor, probably, you know, she had lost all the way around. This was like putting, this, you know what this made me think of is like um, Salem's Lot, when the lady becomes a vampire and then you have no choice but to pretty put her out of her misery. And that's what she mm-hmm. really wants, even though she's going to fight it because she's a vampire. Right. It's kind of Anna. Anna lost right. a long time ago. This was just finishing it off. Right, that was not Anna. That was right. that was zombie Anna. So yeah. yeah, which is sad. So, and I mean, the shadows lost their city, so that's not a good thing for them. So right. there was, just, like we said, there was. There's a lot of controversy and a lot of ambiguity oh, ambiguity over who won, and there's a lot of ambiguity over who lost. But clearly, there was a lot of losing and not a lot of winning. Right. Yeah, and we'll have to tune into season four to find out who lives and who dies. Yes. Um, my my wife is very excited about the next episode. I was going to ask you if you've watched it yet. Did um when you first saw this episode, what did you think the status was of of Sheridan, Anna, Justin, Mister Morden, 
<laughs> the people on Zahadum. I I thought that um, most of the people on Zahadum were dead. I wasn't sure about Sheridan because that last second, Kosh told him to jump. Mm-hmm. So I thought maybe there was some way that he survived, but I couldn't figure out how. Mm-hmm. But I also knew that you know just two seasons ago they got rid of the guy in charge of Babylon Five and brought in a new actor. So who knows? You know maybe yeah, Bruce Botlexner wanted out, mm-hmm. and this was his out. So I I honest and same with Garibaldi. I had no idea if Garibaldi was coming back the next season or not. No clue. And I think that's what JMS was kind of doing, was setting these little right. doors, right, the trap doors. Right. I remember thinking, surely Sheridan is dead. But then I thought, well, but Kosh was telling him to jump, and you don't go to all that length if it's for no purpose. Right. But then again, how can he be alive? Right. <coughs> Excuse so me. I was just really puzzled. We have not watched that next episode, so I'm uh, I'm uh, eager to see how Connie will react to it. Oh man, lucky you! Yeah, um, yeah. I I just remember being like, "Holy crap! Who's coming back and who's not? I don't know." Yeah, yeah. And and you know, a lot of that, like you said, a lot of that has to do with the actors, and so it might not have been the story that dictated who came back. It might have been the actors, in which case the whole there's this pit that Sheridan jumps toward because Kosh tells him, oh, and by the way, it would have been nothing. By the way, if I ask you, hey, Andy, what about that episode where Sheridan has to jump to avoid an explosion and a Vorlon gets him to do it or try, you know, tries to bail him out? What episode would I be talking about? Uh, yeah, that could have been the season end to season two. Yeah, Fall of Night. Or for season three. I mean, it seems to be a recurring theme with, <laughs> yeah. with Mr. Sheridan. Sheridan jumping from a height. <laughs> there's an explosion and, uh, and a Vorlon right. involved. How about that? Right. And th- this was back in the day where, you know, when the season wrapped, you didn't necessarily know if all the actors would be back the next season because so much could happen in the, you know, in the, the intervening summer. <laughs> Dude, we didn't even know the show was going to be back. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. We didn't, yeah. It's not like on, on Amazon where they, they announced the show has been renewed, you know, a day after the right. first episode drops. Right. You know, this was, you know, you you sat on pins and needles wondering if the show would be back for season four. And, and that's exactly what happened. I mean, to get into, you know, everything that happened within season four and five and all that stuff. Yeah, the show was never a for sure thing. We, as we were watching it, we were never guaranteed that we would make it to the end, that we no. would get the complete story that that they were developing. And of course, the whole nature of season four is what it is because of that, which we are exactly. certainly going to talk. We have a we'll have a lot of time to talk about that in the weeks ahead. Um, but imagine this had been the last episode. Imagine it had gotten canceled after season three. Oh my god! Can you imagine yeah. what that would be like? <laughs> No, and this was the only the the early early days of the internet. We would have blown up the internet before oh. it had a chance to you know get off the ground. Not knowing after he jumped what happened, right. what happened with the shadows, what happened with Sheridan, what happened with the Lynn. I mean, oh my yep. gosh! Um, all right, here we go. It's that big moment. It's the moment everybody waits for. Everybody's excited about <laughs> to see how we compare our numbers. I'm. I'll be. I'll be. Uh, I'll be. Uh, polite here and say you can go first or you can tell me to go first <laughs> i gave this a 4.5 but it was very close to being a five there was and i couldn't put my finger on what it was this was not 
the perfect episode. It was darn close. It was a near perfect episode. And like I said, I can't say what it was that kept it from being perfect, but I just couldn't give it the full five star. So it it got 4.5 for me. I gave it a five. That's legit. I I wavered between 4.5 and five. So it, I, I, yeah, I'm trying to think, I think now if, unless I'm forgetting something, I think I've given a five three times. If you count war without end as basically one story, right? Because did we not give just one rating to War Without End? We didn't do like each episode. We did. We we treated that as a single episode. Right. So I've given Severed Dreams, War Without End, and Zaha Doom a five. There have been several 4.5s. I I think the last one I gave a five was Severed Dreams. Yeah. I'm looking back through my notes right now. And I want to say I I gave one of the earlier season episodes a five as well. So I think I've given out two fives. Was it Christmas I think it was. maybe or coming to shadows? They're both big. Yeah, they're both so good. Yeah. All right. So there's another momentous. Remember, we it's so fun how we were back in the first season. We kept saying, you know, we're gonna rate these higher. You gotta be patient and wait. And 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 right here they've come, man. I mean, season three. Come on. Right. And I'll go ahead and say I have not given out my last five. I haven't either. All right. That'll be interesting. Yeah. I wonder if it's the same ones, though. All right. Uh, we have a few things to get through here at the end. But first, I want to thank our patrons. And this doesn't take too long. This needs to take longer. So <laughs> if you would like your name or your message, as much as will fit in there, to be included, go to www.b5review.com. www.b5review.com. By the way, I just updated that page, so it now has all three seasons graphics for so what we've covered so far. It has the player, has links to our cool. archives of all of our old episodes, and it has a place where I'm going to put our season three overall review episode when we get to that in like uh, the, the two episodes from now. So here are the great, great folks keeping our program going. They include Allison Rich, Colonel Dad, a.k.a. Ari Ben Zane. I am missing my category, mister. Emma Jane Alexander, Leah G, Lisa, uh, hold on, Lisa. Gosh, Hammett, Dragon Condolin, woo. Emmanuel Seaman, Jalza, Lady Sif, Mond06, Michael O'Connor, Stu Parker, The Geek Boy, Heather and Yancey Steingraber, Ice Cream Clone with Boba Fett Head, Michael Halbrook, and Zaha Doom Patrol. I thought that was a show on the CW already. Zaha Doom Patrol. Okay. <laughs> that's a good episode to call yourself that, uh, Zaha Doom Patrol. Yes. All yes. right. So thank you all so very, very much. And remember, to join their ranks, go to www.b5review.com. We would appreciate every every bit of it. Um, let's see. The pa- just have a couple of patron comments, a couple of people. Uh, Emma Jane says, uh, oh, Van, we love you and Andy both equally. Oh, I did catch that on our last episode. I said that the, the patrons, the listeners all like you better. And I said, to be fair, I like <laughs> you better than me too. So <laughs> that went over pretty well. Yeah, um, that was funny. Stephen Franklin's <laughs> assertion that he was alive, everything else was negotiable, almost sounds like a statement of faith coming from him. I've been re-watching along with the podcast, and that line hit me hard this time around. I'm an ICU nurse, and I think it's fair to say the past couple of years have been difficult, so to hear Stephen say that after his experiences was really something. Amen to that. That is um, very insightful. 
Because he is very much anti, not anti-faith so much as anti-religion. Yes, absolutely. The uh, he, she, uh, she notes the argument between John and Delenn in this episode is one of my favorite ever scenes in the whole show. Bruce and Mira act the crap out of it, and sometimes I watch just that scene on its own because it's so good. When you compare that to their first meeting in season two, they've come so far it's kind of incredible to think about. Well, that's the truth. Yep, yep. Thank you, Emma Jane. Allison Rich says, ah, space battles. So many ships. She's referring back to shadow dancing. Right. I am a ship person too, like the both of you. How can you not be if you like sci-fi? Fair enough. I really love the Drazi Sunhawks. Yep, we noted that. They're actually yep. one of my favorite ships. The back end reminds me of the back end of a bee if it lit up. Yeah, they're kind of like a firefly. They're kind of like the Serenity. Right. That does that. Right. Well, Serenity is kind of like the Drazi Sunhawks. Yeah, you're right. There you go. That's, yeah. that's fair. Uh, the Vree ships are also some of my favorites. Yeah, I like the flying saucers. But like Andy yeah. mentioned, that moment when the league ships come through the jump gate is real pump your fist in the air moment. I love it. Yeah. We appreciate your dedication to the podcast. I know you guys have lives. We wouldn't be here if we didn't appreciate your efforts. You know, you know, the one thing our patrons all seem to have in common besides discerning taste in fine science fiction is that they're just really, <laughs> they're really good and kind people, and I appreciate that. They are. We yeah, we we seem to attract good and kind people for some reason. So that's awesome. I I yeah. That's cool. As much as much as they appreciate us, we appreciate them more. Oh, more. Yeah. Yes, Absolutely. for sure. Jal I'm sure I'm pronouncing that wrong, says, I also had a Babylon Park t-shirt. Ah, memories. Yeah, I mentioned I had the Babylon <laughs> Park, which is like yeah. Babylon 5 crossed with South Park. I wish right. I knew what happened. I, I can't imagine I ever threw that shirt away, but I don't know where it is anymore. I would have put it on eBay if I was going to get rid of it. I'd probably get right. five, $5 for it. Um <laughs> Colonel Dad, a.k.a. Ari, a.k.a. Ari Benzane, I'm missing my category. Mister. Uh, this may be a spoiler, but on the Susan and Marcus dynamic, Susan realizes how much Marcus loves her, but it is too late. Not all stories have happy endings. This plot line is very Russian. That's not a spoiler. That's kind of vague. But I agree. It's, it's yeah. very Russian, and, and that suits Susan. And that suits JMS. Totally, yeah, totally Russian, right. Yeah. Uh, he says, unanswered question, what did John Sheridan say or do when he saw that Delenn had broken his snow globe? <laughs> WTF, Delenn. Well, okay, I guess. Yeah. Um, and, and, and for like the third time, it seems like we keep seeing that snow right, no globe. Right, no kidding. Break. Yeah. We saw, it bre- we, we saw that snow globe break in three different episodes. Yeah. You realize that? Three different episodes yeah. we've seen that happen War Without End, uh, Shadow Dancing, and Zahadim. Yeah. They, they're getting a lot of a lot of use out of that scene. Sure did. Um, oh, and he says, personally, I don't like it when they recast a character. I kept missing Beth Toussaint in the role of Anna Sheridan. Every time I saw Melissa Gilbert on screen, I thought, what happened to the other actress? And it distracted me from the plot, my two cents. Well, that's fair enough. I mean, um, I don't know that I would have wanted that particular actress. I, you know, She just was there for a little tiny bit part the first time. And I much preferred Melissa Gilbert just in terms of having actual connections. And plus, she's Melissa Gilbert. Come on. But right. but um, I don't know. What did you think about having a different actress? I, I thought that this actress was, I don't, I don't want to say better, but had a more of a, a, a emotional connection with the, with mm. the episode and with the storyline. So I thought that that came through a little bit better. And it's interesting to note that the, uh, the video that originally showed Beth Toussaint as Anna Sheridan was re-recorded for this episode with Melissa Gilbert saying those lines. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I thought that was um, interesting, but no, I agree. I, I think that Melissa Gilbert w- was a much, I don't want to say improvement, but it, it was definitely a much better 
choice for stronger for choice. Episode. Yeah, yeah, strong, stronger. That's a perfect word for it. It, yeah. it was a much stronger uh, actress for the role. And here's the thing I thought was neat about it too is that we know that Bruce Boxleitner loved this show. He he's a it's just like his favorite thing he ever did as an actor. He loved it. Yep. He loves it. I mean, he's still alive. Like he's one of the few. God, unfortunately, right. But he he loves this show. He loves it. And you know he was going home and telling Melissa how great it was. And they were <laughs> yeah. probably watching it on TV, I think. Right. And so right. when the opportunity came to have his wife, I'm sure Melissa was like, well, heck yeah, let's do it. I, this is fun. This would be great. And she was. Yep. So that, that worked out real well. All right. Um, we appreciate um, the comments and the questions. And I'll just go ahead and tell you, I posted this afternoon on the Patreon page and said, if you have questions or comments about Zahadoom, go ahead and post them here, and um, or when we post this episode, either place. I'll look both places before the next recording, and they'll get into that. Rec- we'll get into that our next episode. So we'll we right. hopefully we should these they'll come through for us, and we'll have a whole bunch of new comments and questions to go through, along with my right. twelve thousand pages of notes. All right. <laughs> And I have been I have been set up with access to the the Patreon comment yes. page, so I'll have to log in and take a look at that stuff too. Good deal. Yeah, I think you've pretty much heard everything that's been posted there so far. But I do like the idea that you're able to put. Now, it's Patreon is the devil. They like charge you money to set up like another account separately, which I'm refused to do. But right. so you'll you, you'll be in. We'll we're both be in under my name because I created created the page. But you can just right. put Andy in parentheses and people will know it's you. I figured that's the best way to do it, right? Yep. Or I okay. could just become a patron and, and get in that way. <laughs> you, well, you could, <laughs> but that just seems to defeat the purpose. But anyway, okay. But you, you could do it that way for sure. Uh, all right, let's see. And uh, Yeah, so that's our, that's our listener patron comments. On our next installment, we will cover listener feedback and notes from Zahadoom, followed by the season three retrospective. I haven't talked to Nathan and Bobby yet, but you know they're going to be up for it. Come on. They're going to sure. be up for it. They're going to yeah. be up for it. All right. So that'll be our next two episodes. We're going to milk a little more material out of season three before we're ready to move on to the big, big <laughs> whammer jammer, the big whammer jammer season four. All right. I'm going to hit the sound effect here and we'll just see. Jump gate activated into spoiler space so spoiler warning after this sound if you haven't watched uh anything beyond season three you need to turn it off turn it off i don't have really anything for spoiler space this time other than just you know to kind of flesh out what we were talking about before i did not see what became of john coming and i don't think we right. get very much i don't think we get very much in hour of the wolf i think it it takes a couple of episodes to fully figure out what's going on with him. I'm still trying to figure out what's going on with him. <laughs> I, I think at the end of Hour of the Wolf, he just kind of wakes up in the cave and maybe Orion yeah. is standing there and that's all we get. Right. I remember being really confused yes. for, for uh, several episodes at least. I'm like, is he in heaven? Is he in hell? Right. Is this limbo? <laughs> what's going on here? You know? Yep. And it kind of was, in a way. You know, if Lorian is kind of God, he's like sci-fi God, then he kind of was in, in purgatory or something. Right. And he, and he becomes Gandalf the White. He gets sent back <laughs> to do his job, right? Because oh, he, he falls at Zahadum. He falls at Zahadum, and then they send him back to finish the job against Sauron. And 
he should have come back in a in a, the same uniform that he has on. Only everything's white and gold instead of the black. The Battlestar Galactica that, already did that. Battlestar Galactica that, yes. already <laughs> did that. <laughs> that would that would have been an awesome callback to to both. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Lord of the Rings aimed to Bab- or uh, to Battlestar Galactica. That would have been so cool. <laughs> That's amazing. That's he would have been look like uh, he would have looked like uh, the guy from Superman. <laughs> yeah, the movie. Yes. Wow. Holy cow. Jor El. Jor El. That's right. All right. Do you have any spoiler thoughts? Or are we pretty much at the end? I, I think we're pretty much at the end. I, I like you said the the whole thing with John blowing up at the end just threw me for a loop when, John, when I was John watching. blows I mean, up just, at the end. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was like, wait a minute, they just blew up, you know, the the captain of the, the space station. What you the know heck? that the book is called John Dies at the End, right? That book, right? Oh, I love that book. Oh, I haven't ever That's read it. Funny. I just know the title. But I just thought when you said that, I was like, oh, John blows up at the end. That's even more specific. <laughs> That's great. So there you go. All right. Well, let's don't drag it out any longer. We've obviously got plenty more to talk about. So if you join us in our yes. next episode, Andy and I will dig into all the minutiae, the details, plus whatever unanswered questions, of course, and whatever questions and comments our great patrons. I'm hoping, Andy, that we have at least two, maybe three new patrons for our next episode asking questions. We'll see. That would be cool. That would be cool. That, yep. Spread the word. Spread the word. All right. Question season is out. It's not rabbit season. It's not duck season. It's question season for Babylon 5 or Zahadim. <laughs> All right, man. You go rest and get over your cough. Yes. I hope you feel better soon. Uh, give your cat a nice pet for me. I'm not allergic to him through, through the magic of video. Yes. And which cat All is right, that? Thank we, you, haven't, we haven't ever said. That is Kirby Dot. Kirby Dot. Oh, that's genius. Yes. That is genius. <laughs> All right, Babylon, the White Rocket Babylon 5 Review Podcast. Get out of here for another episode. Join us in two weeks for feedback on Zahadoom. See you later, Andy. All right, take care, man. This has been a White Rocket Entertainment Production.